0: be to God. Thank you Sophie. Well good morning. We're doing our series, um, welcome visitors by the way, we're doing a series on what are the characteristics of what a Christian should be and uh, with excellent timing given our current crisis uh, and nationally and internationally we're talking about being generous with our money. Petrol was 115p nine months ago. That was extortionate. You know now it's going to be two pounds. Gas and electricity prices have more than doubled certainly in our household and probably in many. Besom has a 50% increase year-on-year on on food parcels issued to people who haven't got the money to buy it themselves. And inflation is reaching double figures for the first time since the 1980s. Rubbish timing, Tom, to put this topic on today. (laughs) And perhaps because it's a sensitive subject, people will say, We're not talking about money again, are we? Well, just to get the record straight, we talk about money twice a year. In September, we talk about our regular giving as the needs of the church are budgeted for. That's what we give each week. And then once a year, and this is this once, we talk about being generous on a one off basis, making what we would call a free will offering. In the Old Testament, they had uh, tithes and offerings. Tithes were the things that you gave regularly, and offerings were things that came when there was something to celebrate. And perhaps because we tend to focus on what the money will go to, it looks so much like another big ask. Would you give because there is a need there that needs to be met? And the Bible is full of teaching about money. I have here uh, a a version of the Bible called the Poverty and Justice Bible. And the only thing that's different about its translation is, and you may be able to see it here, on every page where there is anything about money or about justice, they've kindly highlighted it for us. Every page, there's stuff about money. So we should make no uh, apology for, as Christians, looking at what money and our faith mean together. But though the Bible is full of people who need and we can give, there is also much teaching about our need to give, regardless of whether or not people have a need. We need to give. Now, in tough times, it's human nature to pull our horns in and make extra sure that we've insulated ourselves against the coming storm, against risks that we know about. And that's a gift to the insurance industry because they tell you of all the things that could go wrong and they have a package to prevent you from worrying about it. Now our situation is grim today, relatively uh, grim compared to how it was even a year ago and although we're a well healed church, there will be people here who are worried about the future, maybe worried about the security of their job, maybe worried about uh, what happens after retirement, wanting to make provision to be in an expensive or even just an affordable nursing home when that time comes and that's all very understandable. The situation was also grim in the time that Malachi was writing. Malachi, last book in the Bible, uh, last book in the Old Testament. If you need to look it up, uh, Malachi was writing in about 460 BC. 80 years before that, the first exiles came back from Babylon. The place had been decimated. There was nobody there for 80 years. They had been back there. Now, you may think that coming back to Judah was coming back to some huge nation. Here's the fact. Judah was about 600 square miles of countryside. Now, that may sound quite a lot until you realize that uh, the size of Surrey, our county, is 640 square miles. So it was smaller than the county of Surrey. How many people were there in there? Well, the theologians reckoned about 150,000 people were living in Judah at that time. 150,000, how does that compare? 90,000 in Surrey Heath. So it was a bit bigger than Surrey Heath and the land area was no bigger uh, than the county of Surrey. And they had returned with prophecies of prosperity, expansion, and peace And this cruelly contrasted with the reality around them. There was economic privation. There was foreign domination. There were prolonged droughts. There was crop failure. And there was pestilence. And reading about them being a light to the nations must have felt a bit like a sick joke. The reality was that they were probably going to be as memorable today as the Edomites and the Moabites. So how did the Jews respond to their own experience of tough times? Well, if we were to read the first chapter of the rather short book of Malachi, we'd see that the religious leaders were doing their bit to try and pull their horns in. So instead of the unblemished animals that were meant to be sacrificed in the temple, Malachi says they're blind, maimed, and disfigured animals. They got what was left over after the needs of the people were met. And it seems from our reading in chapter 3 that Sophie gave us that the general population was no better. Malachi presents in his uh, three or four chapters. He, he presents his, his case in the following way. It happens six times, and we looked at one particular one in chapter 3. Point one God makes a statement. What does he say? He says, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Then the people respond by saying, How shall we return? I think there's some uh, significance there for me because sometimes I'm feeling, you know, a, a little distant from God. What can I do? And they say, you know, well, how can we return? What is it that we need to do uh, to get closer to God? Then God replies with a question of his own Will man rob God? And yet you are robbing me. And they say, unsurprisingly, how are we robbing you? And God replies, with the killer blow, in your tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation. The people whom Malachi addressed reacted to hard times in a way we can readily understand. They cut back on their giving to God, because times were hard. Instead of the first fruits, they were giving the leftovers. Leftovers. Now they weren't necessarily extravagant, they were in hard times and probably for survival they felt they needed to first of all make sure there was food on the table for them and then when there was left over then they could give that to God but they saw it as their duty to budget for their own needs before giving to God. And robbery is such a graphic way of describing this way of money management. God says, I am being robbed. And you say, well, hold on a minute. I am only robbing somebody if I take their money and use it for my purposes without their approval. But what if the things that we've been given are actually not our own, but are given to us by God for him to do what he wants us to do with it. So there's a message here that we have a duty to give to God. But that's not the message that I want to focus on today because that would be a bit like banging the head and saying, come on, it's your duty as a Christian to give. There's a much deeper message here, and it's the one that I think will be softer for you, but just as deep. And it's this. It's about who we think is responsible for our security, our present security and our future security. You know the American motto? In God we trust. Seen in most British pubs with the strap line, everyone else pays cash. In God we trust. Where do you see it? You see it on dollar notes. The Jews of the time of Malachi, and maybe us as well, have a different motto. We trust in no one but ourselves. This goes back to the story of creation. God created us, he put us in the garden, and the message was, I will look after you, I just want your company. I want to walk in the garden with you, in the words of Genesis chapter 2. And we, like Adam and Eve in the story, decide that we've got to be responsible for our own security. And what happens? We're out in the wilderness. And it's the law of the jungle there. And if I don't look after myself, nobody else is going to do it. So the killer question for me is, am I a robber? Have I got stuff in my pocket, stuff in my bank account that actually God wants me to use for something else? And what God says is just as the uh, story in uh, the story of Eden, He says, Return to me. He says, Come back and discover where your real security lies. Now, the Jews thought the best way out of their economic trouble was to look after themselves first. And when they got on a firm financial footing, then they could turn their attention to being generous to others. And I have to say, they probably believed it. They were not trying to rob God. They just thought they had to do their first duty, which is to look after themselves, and then they would have money to spare. What they failed to see, which is the human truth, that enough is never enough. Material wealth has the same addictive power as any drug or alcohol. The more you have, the more you need. And you never have enough. There's always one more thing that you actually need to make life complete. There's always one more risk that you need to insure against. And once that's done, then things will be different. God's message through Malachi was this. Put me first and leave me to look after you. Put your money where your mouth is. Listen to this from Malachi 3. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you And pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, uh, we're coming to the conclusion, don't worry if you think this is going on too long. Uh, uh, But but, uh, uh, this is not, and we need to clarify this, this is not a prosperity gospel. There are churches which say, give £100, you'll get £200 back. You know, it's a Ponzi scheme, really. You know, invest and God's going to give it back to you. It's not that, and if that's the motive for giving, then it's going to fail. But here is God's cast-iron promise. If you will trust me in your management of money, I can guarantee you, he says, that you will never be in need. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Psalm 37, which is a great one to read if you're worried about your own future. And it says this, I identify particularly with the first phrase, I have been young and now I am old, says the writer. Yet I have not seen the godly forsaken or his children begging bread. The psalmist could say he knows that people who are faithful to God are never in need. And I can tell you from personal experience, I am not here as a master in the art of giving, that there's no better return on your money or satisfaction that you can derive from it than in seeing what it can do if spent on others. It's been my privilege as the chairman of the mission committee to see the value of our gifts and the encouragement that it gives to those who receive it. So what's your response going to be to our gift day? Not because there's a need, not because we want to celebrate how successful our church is, but because you want to show that you trust in God. Have you got a figure in mind now? Well, double it. Be reckless. And God says... Test me and find out if I am worthy of the test. Let me tell you about uh, uh, at the university, I had a friend called Alan, and he, like many students, uh, drove a clapped out car. It was always breaking down. And one Sunday evening, he went to a service in the centre of Bristol. And the sermon was on this subject, on giving, and he was so moved that he emptied his pockets into the collection plate. Absolutely everything. God can have it. Only after he returned to his car did he realise he's thrown in his car keys as well. (laughs) So rather shamefacedly, he had to go back to the church and ask if he could have the keys back. And for months afterwards, the car never went wrong. But there may be be good reasons why you can't decide here and now. Uh, By the way, Howard is here, and if you have a a heavy wallet, then he'll take the weight out of it for you. But it's likely that you'll need to go home and think about things. And and I want to tell you that there is an unknown technical fact about this church, and that is that these two doors here have got magnetic attachments to them, so that if you walk out of them, any good intentions that you've got here will be automatically extracted. It's amazing. (laughs) You intend to do something, a breath of fresh air outside, and you won't remember what it was. Now, we have got an antidote for that, and uh, I want to just uh, uh, tell you about it, and I want you to do something. We have a magnetic... uh, set of strips here and you'll find them at either end of your row and I'd like you to take one and I'd like you to put it onto something, uh, probably not your clothes because it'll just slip off and it may not even make it to the door but put it on maybe your key ring, your your key, your car key or on your mobile phone um, or on your wallet or your purse something where it'll adhere. and then when you get home you'll think, oh, now what was that about? And that's the intention to put God to the test. In many other ways, God says, don't put me, don't test me, don't provoke me. But he does say on this, just put me to the test. Do something radical with your money and see what happens. I won't double the money, but I'll make sure that you're not in need. People say, cynics say, that coming to church is an opportunity to escape from the real world. The truth is the opposite. The real world is here. So put me to the test, says the Lord, and see what I will do. Amen.
1: Thank you, Simon. Don't go too far, because I'm going to pray for you in a moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I did mention at the beginning, uh, thank you very much for what you have shared. And uh, that Simon's the outgoing Mission Committee Chair, and Sarah is the incoming. So help uh, you come, Sarah, as well. So I thought it would be great to pray uh, for Simon and Sarah. And uh, Simon's served really faithfully over how many years, is it? About six years. About six years. And uh, Sarah? We haven't discussed how long you're going to serve for, but uh, (laughs) but, we won't think about that. But uh, we're delighted to have you uh, doing this as well. So let me pray for the the two of them, because this is such an important role for us as a church, because we want to be a generous church that meets the needs of those around the world and those in need in our community. So let's pray. Father God, I pray your blessing on Simon as he hands over this role. Thank you for what he has shared from his heart today. Might it inspire us to respond generously. And would you bless him in all that he now takes on uh, in this small amount of freedom that he has uh, as a result of stepping down from this role. And we pray for your blessing on Sarah. Lord, thank you for her own life of faith and generosity. And I pray that she would now inspire us, Lord, to be a generous church, to put you first, to give you the first fruits, and to trust you to provide all that we need. So anoint her in this important role. Use her gifts and bless her richly through it. Amen. Okay, thank you, Simon.
0: Have they all
1: got stickers? Yeah, well, okay, that's a good question. So, wait, you've got your dots, okay? Um, they're on the end of the rows. While Sarah's talking, why don't you sort of pass them down the row, and then you, if you want to use a dot in that way, which I heartily recommend. I've got one on my watch, one on my mobile, and, uh, and, one, on there, and right? one on here by accident. Ah. There we go. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, do administer your dots and um, Sarah you can yeah you want to go up there there we go Sarah's just going to share uh, a little bit about uh, her own uh, story and also about the difference that this gift
2: day is going to make okay over to you. Thank you. Hello. Um, excuse me um, I, I think I want to start off really with saying that what a privilege it is actually to take on um, this role um, from Simon. Um, the missions committee is actually quite a, a full committee already we've got a a lot of volunteers that represent lots of charities and so my role will just to kind of pull that together and to also lead the communications coming to you in my time in that role Um, we've got a slide um, prepared just with some of the logos of the um, missions that we support various charities that are very local um, also national and international um, and Oh, sorry, I'm making Howard run around the church looking for my slide. <laughs> I'll come in a minute. Um, and also, um, a couple of weeks ago, you'll have seen we um, focused on one particular one, which was um, the um, Good News for Everyone charity that Ted Crew represents. Um, but we're, over the next three weeks, we're going to spotlight a few others um, just to start to give people a flavour. Some of them you're probably very familiar with, others you might not be, and, and it's really just nice to know the amazing work that we're able to support through the giving we've been able to do. Um, and I think that it comes down to where our heart is as a church. And um, over a few years in the past, before I actually joined this church, um, the church was really inspired to increase its giving and felt a real call from God to do that and increased the amount it gave by 1% every year until it built it up to 25% of the income, um, which is a huge proportion when you've got um, salaries and parish share. There isn't really much left. Um, so pretty much most of that is getting given on ahead. Um, And I think that is possible because of the heart of the church um, and has been able to reach out and be a blessing in a way um, that's just um, phenomenal. And I I feel quite um, privileged to then be part of that. So just to tell you a little bit about me, um, I am a chartered accountant by trade. Um, I set up my firm, MS um, Chartered Accountants, um, about 15 years ago. Um, and that's been given me quite an interesting privilege of um, being able to see people's finances. <laughs> and uh, it, what's quite interesting, I think we often assume everyone handles their money in the same way as we do because it's quite a private thing and that's not the case. (laughs) We all do it very, very differently. Um, There's all varieties of ways that people view money and how they manage it, Um, and so it's been quite interesting, really. Um, And For me personally, um, I um, gave my life to Christ when my daughter was about one year old. Um, I was relatively young at the time, so it was a nice stage of life in a way to do that because it enabled me to, at that moment, really think about um, what I wanted to give to God. Um, My um, kids' The kid's dad, he wasn't a Christian, so it was a bit of a game changer um, at that moment for him as well. Um, and we had to find a way of me wanting to give this 10% away um, when actually we'd got very very limited finances at that stage. We were on housing benefit and family credit to supplement our income to be able to raise his little baby. Um, but our solution was we split the household finances in two, and out of my half, I could give 10% away, and he could do what he liked with his 10%. And um, and that actually then worked um, over the years for us really well and so as our incomes grew um, God just gave me that heart that I wanted to carry on giving in that way and and I suppose for me personally it's just given such a freedom that um, for me money just flows through me and back out again into whatever it is that that, um, God is calling me to give to Um, and so he's through that change of heart i think has given me over the years i don't feel stressed about money even though it goes up and down a lot as a business owner for those of you that have run your own businesses and actually for all of us really our our money does go up and down Um, but being able to go but god will provide and have that deep trust in him has been um, quite a powerful thing and i'm really grateful for that And I think it's true for us here at St. Paul's as well. I think that funds come in and they flow through, and the reason we've been able to give so generously is because as a a church, corporately, we have that heart of generosity and trust in God and enjoy that joy of giving. Um, However, we've had difficult times recently, um, which is part of the reason why Tom and the PCC um, have had the wisdom to use the gift day this year specifically for our mission giving, which hasn't been done before. Um, So that's wonderful. To illustrate it I've done a a graph um, to show the impact our um, reduced income has had on our giving and you can see that these are some of the core charities that we give to and how in the current year our giving to them is going to drop significantly because we don't have any backup reserves, Um, the funds just aren't there in the same way as they have been in the past. Um, I mean that's partly due to pandemic, Brexit, um, all of the rising prices caused by the war in Ukraine Um, but also we've planted a new church so that has an impact. A large number of our congregation went to set up that church as well Um, and we do have lots of wonderful new people that are joining us and really um, joining in with church life but not so many necessarily have started giving yet Um, and again that's all part of our personal call and relationship with God. So over the last um, few years, we've been as a church corporately probably giving between 70 and 80 thousand to these good causes, and that has a massive impact. Um, and some of the names of these charities you'll recognise are just small local charities. So us changing that amount that we can give really impacts them. Um, now we, for this year at the moment, if we hadn't had this Gift Day, we'd only be able to give 28 thousand, and that that does affect their budgets. So I suppose um, my um, thing for you today is to just invite you to pray and listen to God um, he's the one that knows um, what he's speaking to you about and that's between you and him um, but I would just encourage you to um, think about the joy that actually comes from releasing your funds to flow into doing the good work that he has and also that um, shift in our hearts as we come to trust him rather than ourselves thank you very much thank you. Wow.
1: this is probably the moment just to let the children's leaders know uh, that they can start bringing the children down can you hear me? you're, not on. you're not no. on. I haven't done anything oh well I'll come over here and uh, but, uh, yeah so uh, we're going to sing a final uh, song um, I think that's right over here. So you can see on the screen, these are the different ways that you can respond. Um, so you can use a bank transfer to St. Paul's Church, Camberley, and you can see quoting 2022 gift day as a reference, uh, cash or check uh, at the church office, uh, by credit debit card, we've got a machine you can use, or online. Uh, my newsletter has all of this, including a link for that. Or you can use that QR code, which will appear in bigger form In a moment, Uh, so just use your phone to log on to that. So it's really dead simple, and uh, I'd really encourage you to respond today if you can, you know, straight after the service, um, although we will hold the appeal open for the next few weeks. Okay, so that's what to do next in terms of the gift day, and uh, there's a few things uh, coming up that I also want to share with you.